Good morning, Shannon. We're doing fine. Awake. Okay, awesome. Well, Dr. E.J., it's great to be with you again, and uh, everybody, welcome aboard. We're excited to be here today, Friday, the 17th of November, with Dr. E.J. Buckhart and the staff at World Ministries International. And Brother E.J., you want to open us in prayer? Yes, certainly. Thank you, Shannon. Once again, Lord, we want to thank you that we can share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to all those listening around the world. We want to thank you for Shannon Davis and his Omega Man Radio, Lord, that makes this possible for us to do so. But more than that, Lord, we want to thank you for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit which gives us the strength and the guidance, the hope, the energy to continue to do what you've called us to do as we live in this physical world, which has all of its challenges, Lord. But you have given us the Holy Spirit, not only to comfort us, but to guide us and to direct us, Lord. And we want to thank you, Lord. I want to thank you, all those that are listening in, Lord, as we have a couple good programs here that we'd like you to listen to. They're different. Each one's different, but they you will find they're enjoyable. Because the word of God and those that give the word, it's just a blessing. We want to encourage everyone to really take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. At these times, Lord, that is what gives us joy and gives us peace. And we want to thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today, Dr. Hansen is going to be interviewing two different individuals. One will be Fred Christian, who is a friend of ours and part of our fellowship. And for those who have lost a loved one, you'll find this extremely encouraging and strengthening. The second one will be with Apostle Don Beasley of the Turning Point Church in Illinois. And that's going to be talking about the American Hamas demonstrations. So please tune your ear in and enjoy these two interviews. This is Dr. Jonathan Hansen. I'm the president of World Ministries International, as well as Eagle Saving Nations. And I want to welcome you to the warning program, wherever you're watching or listening, welcome. In the studio today, I have Fred Christian, and we're going to do a, a program today on, if we want to say, a humanitarian program, special interest. Now, again, look at my website worldministries.org, worldministries.org. Especially check out Eagle Saving Nations and join it today. We are in trouble in America, and I believe Hamas, Hezbollah, other terrorist personnel have infiltrated. They've been doing it for a long time, especially now. And we need to have another great awakening. We need a national Revival, which is repentance. Fred, welcome to the warning program. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Well, Fred, I know that you've been coming to our staff services now for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. And I I met you years ago. And you were married to Mary. Yes. And I did her memorial for you some months ago. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're going to discuss a little bit about that. But also, uh, let's discuss a little bit about you. Uh, When did you come to become a Christian? When did that happen? Well, I was blessed to have 
be interested in Christ from an early age. I probably I, I have a little, little memories and pictures of going to church when I was going to church when I was in Sunday school in first and second and third grade, and and I kind of look back to this image I have in my mind of in a in front of the TV and seeing a pastor do an altar call and i i don't know if that was when i if that was a conversion event for me but i but that's something that's in my mind it could have been and then over the years i it could have also been a progression as i aged of understanding but i i had a sense of of really believing in jesus from a really young age and and holding on to that and and going through the things of what it means to me. Like, there's times of, is there really a God? And then I got away from that to, is there, to, you know, is, is there really, is it really just salvation is of Christ? Or, you know, do I have to do something more? And, but then, but just kept growing into it. Okay. Well, uh, faith grows, or if we want to say our sanctification period, the disciples certainly weren't apostles at the beginning. Uh, they doubted everything Jesus said in the boat. They certainly did not have strong faith. They were worried. They were concerned. They were finally waking Christ up mm-hmm. because he had total trust in God. Total right. trust in the Father. Right. Uh, he had reached what we call, uh, if we want to use the word um, uh tabernacle Christian, which is a complete resting in God. Mm-hmm. And uh, the disciples did not. Right. And nobody is born that way. We all go through this journey of maturing, growing in the Lord. Mm-hmm. Now, when did you meet Mary? I met Mary in, uh, when I was... A little bit after I moved to Seattle. So, grew up in Alaska, came to Seattle. I was going to college, and I had just graduated from college, and I was working at Renton First Baptist. Wow. I was in the information booth, and we had a joke that we would tell people saying, you know, I I was at the information booth, and she came there, is there any single guys here? And I said, here I am. (laughs) 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 We we, we did meet at the information booth and talked there, and that's how we started I invited I invited her to a church picnic, and that was a that was a start. That was a start. Wow! How many years were you married before she went on to be with the Lord? Mm-hmm. Uh, twenty nine. Twenty nine years. Okay, and and I don't think we've touched on this yet. But what do you do? What is your job description? Uh, I'm a programmer uh, doing data analytics, data taking for websites that to make sure that the data that is, is being captured and categorized for internet marketing for internet and for measuring the the function of the website good the and more broadly just website programming and dev lead wonderful now mary mary i know was a natural evangelist mm-hmm. And like I shared at the memorial, I mean, she just was a natural at it. She found it very easy. Uh, that was her life to share her faith. Right. Tell us a little about a little bit about that. Yeah, she was. She tells the story. She told the story many times. Of she came to 
the U.S. and she got married in Korea and came to the U.S. and they, she couldn't see churches. She she was she was wondering where to go to church. She couldn't see any, and then she went into a drugstore and asked the. She found a Korean in a drugstore and asked, "Where's where can I go to church?" And and she, there's one right down the street. And then that, then once that blinder was open so to speak she saw churches everywhere wow so she started she started going to church as soon as she started going to church she started inviting people to church so it's like it it hit her then she did she described it that she didn't know christ yet but she just it was a it was part of her it was part of what made her who she was as god made her to want to help people she originally wanted to help people as a scientist or as a doctor and then when she started going to church this was that was more true to her so she wanted to help people with that wow and the real event the real heart for evangelism was her one of her babies died and it made the reality of heaven and hell more real to her and and after she recovered from that mourning period she just she was full time in her mind. She did other things at, at times, but in her mind, she's full time evangelist. That that was like a turning point for her. Wow! So, how many years was she, uh, in your own words, like a full time evangelist, where she would go out on the streets and preach or mm-hmm. in malls? How many years? Probably. So, we were married twenty nine. She started roughly eight years before that. So. 37 years. Wow. <laughs> or maybe 40. So know. she was doing that before you ever knew her. Right. So how how are you at this? Where did you feel natural about it? Not in the go out. I wanted to go out with her. So she that's one of the things that attracted to each other is sure. is her <laughs> This gets to the hard part. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Again, this is fairly recent since he lost his wife. The Her passion for evangelism was, was what was special to me. And probably how we got together is just me being open to that. And if... As anybody that's been in evangelism, especially street evangelism, will know that it's not a popular occupation. A lot There's of a lot of persecution, and and so people, the the rare people that are open to that, we we connected. Yeah, a lot of people are feel uncomfortable going out on the streets or in the malls and witnessing. They feel uncomfortable, right? And some of it's just due to their own, uh, let's say, lack of relationship with God, uh, their lack of passion, their lack of love. And so uh, if you're not really spending time where you're comfortable with God, then you can't be comfortable sharing about God. Right. But as I shared at the memorial, Mary was a natural. She was just a natural. And she shared her faith everywhere she went. How long ago did she die? May 15th. Okay. May 15th, and today is October October 13th. Mm -hmm. 
So May, June, July, August, September, five months ago. Mm -hmm. So you can see, ladies and gentlemen, this is fairly recent. It's fairly recent. And uh, that's why Fred struggled a little bit with communicating a moment ago. I know, Fred, I have lost a wife. As a pastor, I've buried a lot of people, buried even a father, buried a a mother, buried a a brother, but nothing compared to burying a wife. Right. That was a different type of pain and grief. How did you experience? It was a experience of after the shock even though I knew the possibility was so high five years earlier because of cancer and, you know, and going through the prayer and everything, but, you know, having, having dealt with it in some ways. And then she went through a year of just the last year was really hard from the pain that she was going through. So even if, even with that preparation in some ways, it's just the... A real sense of a immediate separation. So, had a real sense of that. The gut in the Bible says the two will become one flesh, and that separates. Yeah, I tell people this way now. As I said, I was a pastor. Am a pastor still, and uh, although I'm leading as a pastor, World Ministries International Eagle Saving Nations. Yet I've buried people all over the world, pastored five churches, buried a lot of people. But I'll tell you, I never understood what it was like to bury a spouse, that type of grief or pain, until I lost my spouse. As you said, the two become one in every way. That's what the Bible says, the two become one. And I share it this way, Fred, you can... Cut off! I can cut off your arm. Right. You still have all the faith in the world, but you've got to stop the bleeding or you'll die. Right. And so there's got to be a healing process. And the same way if you lose a spouse, there has to be a healing process. Yeah. You still have all the faith in the world, but there still has to be a healing process because you are in a human mm-hmm. form and the two – became one so emotionally in every other way you're hurting right and there's got to be that healing process that goes on now ladies and gentlemen i wasn't even going to do this program until today but there's people possibly out there that are listening right now or watching and you've lost your spouse maybe you've even lost your spouse today i will say even though You wish your spouse did not die. That's normal. You know, people would say funny things to me. Now, some people, it might be okay, but to me, I didn't like it. I was believing for a miracle. Mm -hmm. And so they would say, she's in a better place. I did not want to hear that. Right. I didn't know. I did not want her in a better place. I wanted her with me right now. Mm -hmm. Now, today, it's been many years. Yes. She's in a better place. I can rejoice. She wouldn't want to come back. But at the moment, Fred, I didn't want to hear it. Right. I didn't want to hear it. And that's why you you noticed that when I talk to you, 
I said, I understand. I understand the pain. I'm praying for you. I never said she's in a better place. Right. Ladies and gentlemen, again, this can help all of us. You got to be careful when you're talking to someone that lost a spouse. Some people, maybe they were so prepared. Maybe that doesn't pain them as much. But for me, I did not want to hear it. I believed in miracles. I saw miracles. I've seen every type of miracle, and I was praying for a miracle. So I wanted her, you know, the Bible says death is an enemy. It's an enemy. Yes. It separates us from those we love. Death is an enemy. Mm -hmm. And so we need to understand that. So we have to be careful how we talk to somebody that's lost a spouse, especially if they just lost it. All I say now is, you know, I'm sorry, I'm praying for you. Mm -hmm. I sometimes I say, you know, I've lost my wife, too. I understand the pain. And now I can say from experience, I can tell them and they, I don't offend them, you know, I can say, you know, I know your pain. I can just say it will become better. Right. And they are encouraged and comforted by that. It will become better because, you know, I know and they know I know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I've gone through those waters. Right. And so if you're here and you just lost a spouse, don't think that you're you're um in any way abnormal you are very normal to feel torn apart you're normal not to be happy i wanted my wife to live i wanted a miracle at at the same time i had all the faith in the world and so uh, your faith is still there just be encouraged time will take away the pain Mm -hmm. time slowly brings healing but you had become one like the bible said the two shall be one and so you need healing Mm -hmm. would you describe that is that correct fred yeah that's what i experienced and and that's you're talking about people and and i i I, I knew it. To, I kind of knew so so much in some ways what to expect because people knowing that people wouldn't know how to react, but it was more comforting people that it, it's like I didn't need to be comforted at the moment. I needed to cry, and so it's like exactly a, just go home and be alone, or go or someone that just let me be who I was instead of expecting me to be what they thought a you mourner should be. should be. You know, it's a the experiences are the same and the experiences are different. It's, it's like we all just let the person mourn in the way they need to. And and the and the encouragement comes, but it's like it's almost like the, the encouragement helped me the most was the ones I would start to give myself and someone chimed, just added with it, just agreed with it. Amen. Amen. So death is an enemy. And when somebody loses a spouse, we need to be sensitive. I can say again as a pastor, uh, I never understood that type of pain and grief they went through until I personally lost my own spouse. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you can understand it until you lose your own spouse. It's like, let's say, um, uh, a police officer. You don't know what a police officer really goes through uh, in his mind, his family's mind, until you become a police officer. Or let's say 
walking on the moon. Now, whether that really happened or not, now that's another question. But if it happened, you won't know how it felt like walking on the moon unless you walk on the moon. Right. You, you know what I'm saying, Fred? Yeah. There's a whole controversy whether somebody walked on the moon or not or it was staged. There's so much right now corruption being exposed in the government, mm -hmm. in NASA, all over the place. Um, but some things you don't know fully until you experience them. Mm -hmm. And in that, I'd say that an experience that I've was lucky enough to be able to embrace is the comfort of Christ. The pretty soon afterwards, I read a verse of uh, I, re I put two verses together that I hadn't necessarily put together before, the two sections of the Bible. In Ephesians 5, it talks about it, it talks about the love between husband and wife, and it also talks about that that's an analogy of Christ with the church. You know, Christ loves the church so much and cares for the church, and that's the, the joining. And then Something about that verse, and then combined with in, in John, it talks about Jesus is in us, and we're in Jesus, and, and we are in God, and God is in us, and every it kind of like it's saying everyone's together. So, that was like a comfort because of I'm still together with the whole body of Christ, and it, so I'm still together with my wife, but it, but it, I, I understood it in the in this context. I'm together with the whole body of Christ. My wife's in the body of Christ. I'm still together with her and and God. And we are the bride of Christ. So we're the we're together in that relationship still, and and that's been a comfort for me. Amen. There's a reason for the church or the body of Christ. Uh, people need one another. We're not meant. To be a hermit. The, the hermit is not normal. We are not meant to be a hermit. Uh, we are social people. Uh, God created us this way because God is social. God wanted a family and we are part of his family. And, and so that's important, the body of Christ. And, uh, Knowing your place as the body of Christ, like you said. Uh, knowing how to be sensitive and, and when, uh, you need to be alone. They need to be sensitive to that. And, you know, I wanted to be alone too. And, and, uh, you need to be alone. You need to heal. But then also, there's a time to be with family. Right. Blood family, the body of Christ. All of that is there. And so, uh, to understand grief, you can be sensitive on how to help those that are suffering in this area. Fred? Yes. And, it helps be sensitive with them, and in any loss you have, you can know that God is there. And I know my wife's in heaven. I, it, it, like the pastor said, it not, it's not necessarily always a comfort, but ultimately that is a comfort. And it, and it was to me, and just knowing that eternity is going to be a lot longer than earth. Amen. And like I said, the, the, the pain left and... Uh, Yes, we do know that our loved ones are in heaven, and that is a comfort, especially now. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's even a comfort then, only you might not 
want to hear statements like she's in a better place if you're praying for a miracle. Right. But obviously, it is a comfort. You know what heaven is like. And, and I've seen people brought back from the dead, and they never want to come back. Right. And so, you know, I, I've lost a child a long time ago. He would never want to come back. And so, I mean, we know those things. But we just, you know, to be sensitive on what to say to people when they are going through pain, especially immediate death, especially of a spouse. This is just good to know. And uh, it's not, again, that they've lost their faith. It's that they are going through a time in their life that they need healing. Right. And that's so important, Fred. And I've – I uh was and again fortunate. I got, the Lord really took care of me. He gave me a time to go and be with family. He gave me a driving trip, which which is a relaxing thing for me. Uh, uh, just a way to to get out and get away from the the hectic life. You know, if driving is if driving in cross country is not hectic for you, then it's then it's relaxing. <laughs> but so that that's what it was for me. It was a relaxing trip and and a time to be alone and reflect and and then to be with family and kind of kind of see who my family is and and have and build the connections and and now it's a lot of uh, in some ways now it's a lot of going through of uh who am i now and I'm starting to get a. I'm starting to feel it more, but it, but it, but it's been a, another step that I've been going through. Is what am I? I was mar- I was married. What am I? <laughs> I'm not a. I'm not this union anymore that I had. A, what am I? And 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 the, um, related to this, but in a different time. I, w- I was asking the Lord, okay, what am what will I be doing, Jesus? And he and I felt like he's saying, Well, I can tell tell you, but you're not ready. <laughs> <laughs> so as we are saying, you know, a person goes through mourning in their own speed and there's times you got it you can encourage them to take steps forward maybe, but but God knows I'm not ready, so he's waiting. If God can wait. <laughs> it's a, it's Amen. Thing for Amen. Once again, I never lost my faith. Believe me. I wanted a miracle, but I knew she was with the Lord. And uh, that is comforting. Only at that moment, I did not need people to tell me that. I had not lost my faith. I knew where she was. And, and, I've told people over and over, when you lose your spouse or your child, they don't want to come back. They don't want to come back. And I've I've heard the testimonies when they come back and they even say, hey, why pray for me? I was happy. Mm-hmm. They don't want to come back. And so they're complete. Now, we're not complete on earth, but they are. Right. <laughs> and so we've got to understand that. But I'm just saying, at the same time, there is... A grieving period, and it's normal. It's normal. And uh, you are normal to go through a grieving period because death is an enemy. Uh, closing comments, Fred? I have a sense of um, – I, I think of how – now I have the honor of being her, being her memory bearer. Yeah, I know she's – 
in honoring her life of her life as an evangelist. So I have the honor of being that, having that uh, unique perspective, the unique ability to share what my life was with her and now what my life will be. And, and instead of, instead of being, uh, I get comforted by not, I feel like if I held on too long to, a thing that like I'm cleaning out my house. So there's, there's things I'm keeping definitely, but there's other things that are just needing to be cleaned up and given away or taken to goodwill and stuff like that. And it's like, if I had to hold on to everything, it'd be over, it would be too much. And so I don't need this object to remember by I, her memories in me. And I can, I can start letting God rebuild me. I don't, I can, that's, that's really what I look for. It's like a, look forward to is what is God going to rebuild me into? And I find the most comfort in that and letting that happen. You've been listening to the warning program, Dr. Jonathan Hansen and my guest, Fred Christian today. We've been talking about losing a spouse and he lost his spouse. I have lost my spouse. There was a healing time. I poured myself into the kingdom of God. Fred is now pouring himself into the kingdom of God. God brought another spouse for me. So we don't know your total future, Fred. Right. But as you just commit yourself to the Lord, he makes all things beautiful. Amen. And there's victory ahead. My phone number 360 You can telephone. Give us your very best donation. We need your love offerings to continue to sound the alarm. Radio and television. My website, worldministries.org. Worldministries.org. That's worldministries.org. Join Eagle Saving Nations today. We've got to have another great awakening. I have apostolic leader with me, Don Beasley. We were going to talk about the decline of America. We we started it, but we're there's so much to it. But Apostle Beasley, I believe that. Uh, uh, this is also part of the decline of America. What is actually going on even with rallies, rallies across America, uh, Americans that came here from over in the Middle East, yet they are rallying for Hamas. Uh, they're celebrating that Hamas attacked Israel uh, on October 7, 2023, beheaded babies, raped many, many women, killed over 1,400 Israelis, over 200 hostages taken back to the Gaza, and they're celebrating it. I think this also reflects the decline of America. Apostle Beasley? Yeah, I I agree with you there. Um, It's absolutely amazing, you know, but... People that have been in the know have been sounding the alarm for the last 40 years that this was coming. It's not hard to figure it out now uh, that when you look back on on what's happened, all of a sudden McCarthy doesn't look too bad now. <laughs> he kind of might have knew what he was talking about when he was talking about this. But, I mean, this is in the heels of, again, if you go back and you look on the heels of World War II and the Spanish flu, millions of people died and people were very disappointed and depressed about their whole utopian idea they had going on then. And when Hitler took over, 
in Germany, there was a radical group of people at a school called the Frankfurt School, and he kicked them all out of the country, and they all came to America. Herbert Marcuse was one of them. He went to Columbia University, and he taught in every one of our major universities since since that time, and he was teaching these radical he was teaching radical forms of, um, of socialism and communism, uh, Marxist stuff back then in our schools. He's been there ever since. So it doesn't matter whether a person is a Democrat or Republican or whatever. They've been trained in this stuff in these schools and uh, to some extent. And so we were real messed to root this out of our system. I don't know. At the first of the year, when things went bad with the election, I prayed because I told God, I just said, you know, I, I was sure this amount of pain would cause people to change their mind. And they voted in more Democrats, more people that were spouting this nonsense. And when I prayed about it, the Lord just said, he said, you know, the problem is people haven't heard enough yet, but they're going to. Well, that's for sure. Uh, the science of judgment always happens as one continues to run away and violate the, the word of God as that cup of iniquity continues to overflow, then uh, certain, if we want to say pain, judgment happens. The rise and fall of nations. Again, the book I wrote, The Science of Judgment. But uh, I'll tell you, all through America, again, we're seeing rallies right now. Americans pro-Hamas celebrating and giving excuses and saying uh, that they don't want two states. We want 1948. Long live Infidata. And uh, they would erase the state of Israel and its people. They go on and on. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. And, you know, that saying has been there for a long time. Arafat and others. And uh, in other words, no Jew. No Israel state. Uh, gone. And that's what Hamas actually in its charter is. It's a terrorist organization that will not be satisfied until Israel is wiped off the face of the math map right into the sea. Mm-hmm. Don? Yeah, I, I agree. This is uh, it's absolutely phenomenal. I watch on television in absolute disbelief. I see. Uh, these people doing this and then nobody's doing it. I mean, nobody wants it. If they do come against it, it's so soft that you can't really tell if they're coming against it or not. I mean, they're trying to ride the down the line and it's, it's a tough situation right now because you're absolutely right. Uh, Hamas and, and not just Hamas, there's more than just Hamas. There's, you know, you have Hezbollah in the North and you have all these other groups, you know, in the West Bank and different ones. And they're, like you say, it's, you know, the eradication of the Jews. And that's such a demonic thing from its very um, incessance. It's demonic from the core. And it's being lived out in our, our time. And, and and the levels that things are being lived out right now before us, there's no way anyone can look at this and not say we're living in very significant times because there's no way to put the genie back in the box now. I mean, the, the genie's out of the box. Kirkland, Washington. This is uh, right where I live, 45 minutes from here. And they had a rally, Hamas rally in support of Hamas. So, I mean, what about Chicago, where you are in Illinois? They had a, ter- they had a humongous riot. <laughs> it turned into a riot this over the weekend and this stuff. And they're doing it right now. There's thousands of people out, you know, in these 
um, schools and colleges down there that are walking through the streets, carrying banners and signs and whatever in support of Hamas. It's um, it's unbelievable. A matter of fact, they we've been told here, you know, don't even go downtown Chicago. It's too dangerous to go down there. I mean, it's been dangerous to go to Chicago for a long time, but for different reasons. But now it's very dangerous because if they got wind that you were a Christian or that you supported Jews, I mean, I see Jews on television and they're very nervous. And I think they should be nervous because I, I don't know, even in our country, our people that say they support them or whatever, the support is soft. And as soon as the, the political, I mean, this, this definitely has a political expiration date on it as far as support for Israel. And I don't think the expiration date for it's very long. And I, I look at that and I think, you know, when 9-11 happened, what would America do? Anybody in America would have done if somebody tells us, we're going to tell you what you can do and how much you can do and when you can do it. We'd have told them where to get off. And now all of a sudden, you know, what they had done, I mean, can you imagine if when 9-11 happened, if they would have killed women, cut babies out of their wounds, beheaded them and burned them alive, you know, it w- there would be, I just don't even understand the, the, the mindset, but it's been created in these, in these high levels of higher ed- education and academia. And they've been distrained this way for so long that they don't have any, they, they have no sense about what they're saying at all. You can't talk to them. Uh, they just, you know, they, they just go berserk, start screaming. They almost act like terrorists themselves. Well, basically, I, I know that I believe all through America, we have now terrorist cells waiting to explode. Joe Biden with his uh, allowing this this legal uh, invasion of America across the borders. Certainly, you got a lot of terrorists that are coming across too. And they're just waiting to uh, ignite blood all through America. I believe that. I, I believe it as well. That, you know, And I think that the reason that there's people that are allowing this to go on, and they are allowing it to go on, there's no doubt about it, you know, you go back and you look in the. Let me. See, I'm going to get the date here. So I got this right here. Um, there was a book written in 1958 called "The Naked Communist," and they had 45 goals for the overthrow of America in that book. And uh, and so when you look at this, it says socialism is the bridge between capitalism and communism, and the major difference is socialism and communism is the method of takeover. Socialism and progressivism believes that it can centralize all control of the individual land and industry by peaceful and gradual legislation, whereas communists seeks a violent final confrontation to eliminate all dissension to achieve its utopian goal of a stateless and classless society. And so I think that where we're at right now, there's people in power that are using this for this ultimate purpose of the complete overthrow of the United States. And so they're using it for their, this whole idea of this one world system. It just happens to serve them well. And I warn people all the time, you need to go back and look at Mussolini and all these guys who did this kind of nonsense, Hitler and all that. As soon as the people they use to get what they want are no longer valuable, they kill them all. And so I, I we're, we're at, a, we're at a dangerous place in America. I don't think people realize how dangerous it is. I'm teaching believers, you know, but one of the problems is that we've been taught this escapism theology that we're not going to have any problems. We're not going to go through any tribulation or anything else like that. And so the church is completely unprepared for what we're heading into. Oh. But we're heading into it, and we're not going to not head into it. We're headed into it. 
Yeah, totally. And I, I agree with you. They're totally unprepared. Even spiritually, they're just totally unprepared. And uh, then you get this other this other view on eschatology that it could be another thousand years, two thousand years. Actually, we're going to win the world before Jesus returns. Man, I, I don't know what Bible they're reading, Don. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I know that they're all into this dominion stuff. I mean, there is dominion, but they haven't completely messed up here. I don't know how they just did something messed that up there. And the dominion or whatever, but it's really, um, it's baffling to me when I, I, I listen to these people. I just don't listen to them anymore. I just, they're crazy. I mean, they're just, that's what happens. And that's what in America, we have become incredibly soft because we have this escapism mentality. Basically, it's just, we want our comfort. Give me my whatever we want. And I think now we're beginning to, to really realize the danger of what they've done into, into DS, how they've just absolutely in toxic masculinity and taken it away. The reality is, is there's going to be patriarchal leadership in the, in the world. The question is what patriarchs are going to be righteous patriarchs are going to be un, unrighteous patriarchs, but it's going to be ruled by men and it's being that way right now, but we need to raise up. Right now, I have our men coming together, and I'm just telling them right now, you need to know how to be men because men are the answer to this. And so we need to – what happened is is there's a couple of spirits that have gone by. So you have the – throughout the Bible, what they do to, to men is the first thing they try to do is they try to capture the, the, the male spirit by doing that. They they have all kind of ways to do that. You see, that's what happened when they – in the captivities of Israel, they always try to do away with the male they, they, until finally – they would actually, and if they couldn't, if they couldn't capture their spirit, then they would pacify their spirit with all kinds of stuff. And today we do it through, you know, we have all this stuff going on from pornography to gaming to whatever. And so men, they use their whole spirit of domination in, in some virtual reality that's not even real while they walk in in complete submission and everything else that they're doing. And then when that doesn't work, then they kill them they start murdering them or whatever and i mean we've experienced a ton of that through abortion and different stuff like that but we have to raise up i mean men have to it's time now to really just to raise up men and and to get busy about what we're doing i mean i don't know we need to understand this as well no great move of god was ever a move of god with the masses it always started out in a small group of people that seemed meaningless and and uh insignificant and i think that's true so i think that we're in a like your book, we're in the midst of judgment happening. I think we're in the midst of a lot of biblical revelation happening among us right now. I'm not going to be as stupid enough to say like where I think we are on that line. Anybody who's ever done that lived to regret it. We're in very significant times like no other time. But I also believe that the Bible teaches us that in the midst of this going on, God, there's going to be a remnant church filled with the power of God and revival in the midst of it all, unafraid to stand up to it doing amazing things in the midst of it as we're going on. And I think that's just, so to me, as I look around me at all the stuff's going on and people say, what should we do? And I say, we should get busy being the people of God. That's what we should do. So just being fearful of everything that's going on around us. And I don't believe that we're going to take over the world. I don't believe that for one minute. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that's bad theology. But I do think that the power of God, he's always going to have a remnant of people doing amazing things. And it's been in the Bible in the worst of times throughout the Bible, he's always had a, a group of people doing amazing things, touched by the power of his spirit, doing incredible stuff. And I think that's where we are right now for us as well. 
Well, I, I totally agree. And, and um, you know, a couple of things that you mentioned that is worthy to be touched on, and, and you and I have discussed it before. I know years ago I wrote uh, Public Schools and Universities Enemy Number 1, and they're just filled with Islamics and communists, filled with them. Whether it was BLM a few years ago, burning down cities, you had teachers from the public schools and universities involved in leading their students to march. Teachers. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I just read an article again, and this is not from the university, but again, I think it was an elementary school where uh, I, a Muslim teacher uh, gave a, a, a talk about how justified Hamas was to do what they're doing. They were justified in invading with their hand gliders. They were justified in killing, you know, those 1,400 Jews. They were justified in raping, beheading babies taken captive, they were justified because of what Israel has done to them in the Gaza. And we know that Hamas is the one ruling the Gaza, not the, not, if we want to say Palestinian people, which is that, I don't even like using that term because basically they were just Arabs from Jordan and Egypt. Mm-hmm. And now they're, e- Egypt and Jordan don't want to take them. They want to, they want to have them stuck there to create this infidata. But now they're called the Palestinians. Well, the people themselves uh, aren't, aren't the blame. It's Hamas. And they're using their own people. In other words, uh, fellow Muslims to, uh, always as shields to be killed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. It's, uh, and the same thing is true, you know, that you got that going on. And there, and that's true. When you look back into the words of, you know, Gaza's in the Bible. I mean, it's uh, that whole thing is yeah, in there. Samson went to Gaza. Yes. And in the Philistines, that was one of their strongholds that when the Israel came into the promised land, that Gaza was one of the places that they had the stronghold there and they're supposed to take it out. It has ancient history there, but the people that are there now are not, they're not Philistines. I mean, that's not who's there now. These people came. They're transplanted in there from somewhere else, and they want to rename themselves. You know, Palestine is basically a version of the word Philistine. That's not who these people are. So that that's one thing. But when I was going to college one time, I, I was very disturbed about, and I asked the question, I asked, how did all these really conservative organizations like the Methodists and the Lutherans and and these different ones like that, how did they get so liberal? I mean, what caused them to turn liberal where they started accepting all this craziness in, among themselves? I really wanted the professor to give me an answer. And what he said is, that's a great question. You should go research it and find out what the answer to that is. I mean, that's a good way for him to say he has no idea. And so I did. I went on a long search and whatever, and I discovered something that was absolutely amazing to me in the, in the Vietnam War. And so some of it goes back for that, but the majority of it happens around the Vietnam War. When all the other schools, they had all their quotas filled, so they didn't have any more deferments for schools. All these theological institutions had tons of deferments left over. So they took all these people who were not Christians, had no life of Christ in them at all. Uh, they were anti-government, anti-everything uh, about the war. And so they all went, They these guys all went to these schools. And then they got a bachelor's degree, and then they stayed on and got a master's degree, and then they stayed on and got a doctorate degree. And now they're all their professors are all these people in these schools. In those organizations, if you send a young person called the ministry, 
into one of those schools, they definitely won't come out trained for ministry. They'll come out trained for Marxism. The academia is complete. It's not just in the secular world. It's in the religious world as well in a, in a, in a mighty, mighty way. And it even stretches into this academia thing stretches into Pentecostal charismatic schools as well, especially when it comes to all this gender nonsense and whatever. They're very soft on that stuff in those schools. So especially if they have accreditation, because the government threatens their accreditation, uh, something fierce about that stuff. So it's just uh, really it's kind of amazing to me when you look where, where we are, because it's when people said, then, then what's the answer? The answer is Christ and the church. That's the only answer for America and the world. Well, that's it. Again, that's why we're both involved with Eagle Saving Nations. There's got to be another great awakening, a national repentance. Uh, there's got to be Christians now by the hundreds of thousands and millions across America in the stadiums, baptizing the Holy Spirit. Uh, we've got to come out with without fear and intimidation, but power and authority to to not be compromised, not be intimidated by these threats. And Christians right now are Intimidated. They're afraid to say anything. I mean, uh, I've got an article here. It says White House would rather discuss Islamophobia than anti-Semitism. And uh, and you know the spokesman there who always taking taking the uh, questions. And Pierre, uh, a, a black lady. Uh, and and she says, uh, having disposed of anti-Semitism in 27 words, Pierre pivoted. But look, Muslims and those perceived to be Muslims have endured a disappropriate number of hate-fueled attacks. And certainly President Biden understands that many of our Muslims, Arab Americans, Palestinian Americans, loved ones and neighbors are worried about the hate being directed at their communities. And that is something you heard the president speak in his address just last Thursday. So she gets totally away from the atrocities like you had mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Even babies cut out of the womb and babies beheaded totally goes away from that and now is defending the Muslims again. All of the hate they have been persecuted to in America. You know, I I think they, they are proponents of hate, but I don't think they've been the victims of hate. I don't read it. No, I, I don't know. I wish somebody would show me. I'm a pretty good student of history, and I don't know what they're talking about. Nobody want anything to do. When you look at Israel, 1947 to 48, Jonathan Kahn has an amazing book. I think it's called The Oracle, where he go he tells this this history of I me mean, from the Belfort Declaration to all the different things that happened as a result of that. Even Mark Twain, uh, Mark Twain's company, uh, his media company hired him to go to Israel and he comes back and wrote exactly what Isaiah said about it. It's a desolate place. Who in the world would want to live there? It's not fit for jackals, he said, when he came back. That was Mark Twain went to Israel. And what was interesting is that he 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 crossed paths and stayed in the same hotel that the fellow from England went back and wrote the the, the basically the basis of the Belfort Declaration about Israel from that time. And so that actually fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah about how bad, how the place had been absolutely judged and just became nothing. And from that, God was going to restore them again. And so they go there into this desert and they make this exactly what the Bible says. They make the desert bloom. And then all of a sudden, all these other people around there wanted to come there and they got all jealous because it was their hatred of Jewish people, not the Jewish hatred of them. 
that caused them to come in and begin to give the Jews a hard time. Uh, three or four wars happened as a result. They were attacked by these nations around them from, you know, from you just you can just any of the nations around them have attacked them mercilessly and killed their people and whatever. And so it's actually the opposite of what they're trying to say. But, you know, the problem is, is that people have, don't take time to read history for themselves. They they jump on and watch some crazy thing on YouTube or something they see on their phone or whatever. And it's very difficult because if I sit down, you go down to the coffee shop and you try to talk to people. First of all, they're so emotionally invested that it's almost impossible to talk to them rationally because the moment you touch that emotion in them, they just go off and they start screaming and hollering, calling you names. And then they'll call you, they'll call you, you know, you're racist. You're all these different things. They'll throw them all at y'all at one time. Oh yeah. Um, and so it's, and that's what they've been trained to do. They they're like little children. Like if you, when you have little children at home and you try to correct them, that's what they do. They start screaming and hollering, throwing a fit, and whatever. And that, and now we have it. in I'm amazed. Twenty five, thirty, forty year old people. They act like they're ten years old or eight years old or five years old in the fits they throw. I watch them doing the news media on television. They do the very same thing. You turn on the TV in the middle of the day and you watch women on television and you're like, man, where'd these people come from? Yeah, they came from a by, you know, a product of our universities and public schools and elementary schools led by these communist and Islamics and uh, New World Order people. Uh, totally, again, uh, disorderly and uh, anti-law. But uh, I'll tell you. We, we touched on it, and the church is definitely the fault for this situation today, uh, both in their their actions, uh, their deeds. You know, we've talked about it before. The Half of the church is under the Federal Council of Churches. That's a communist covering. Uh, half of the churches, these are mainline churches, so they right. back the Democratic platform. They back, again, uh, uh Hamas and all, all these type of things, you know, they they back abortion and homosexuality. So, uh, I mean, half of the churches and the other half, you and I, you know, I came from a Assembly of God background. But yet, uh, I'll tell you what, you don't see most of the Assembly of God churches moving in power and authority, the gifts of the no. Holy Spirit. They don't know how to cast out a demon and said they'll send him to a counselor. So, I mean, right. this is the problem, Don. The mm-hmm. church is pathetically anemic, pathetically sick. Right. Well, I think that's one of Jesus when he when he said, "When I return, will I find any faith on the earth?" I think he was speaking to that very thing because that's what happens whenever you want to. One time, I wrote a paper and I and I was writing about my spiritual fathers, the, the organizations I came out of. You know, they were they met in lean tos and uh, you know in the in the edge of the woods they didn't have any fancy buildings or anything else like that they but they had the power of god and they saw miracles and healings and all kinds of things they could cast out demons uh, no problem get people free uh, but then you know the the lure always is so you have an audience with god uptown up in the heavens but you want an audience with men downtown men fancy men wears fancy suits, drives nice cars, live in nice houses, have nice buildings. And the trade-off was is to trade an audience with God uptown for an audience with men downtown. And where we could move heaven and bring heaven to earth, now we can't move anything. But we have all we have everything they said would make us powerful. We got buildings, we got money, we got all this stuff. 
And I like what Ken Gobb used to say. We don't have enough faith to blow the fuzz off a rubber monkey. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the warning program and we're watching it. Apostolic leader Don Beasley. Don, uh, tell the people out there where you pastor. Um, We're in Dixon, Illinois, hometown of Ronald Reagan, Turning Point City Church. Uh, You can get on our website at uh, tpointchurch.net. Ladies and gentlemen, again, Eagle Saving Nations, we've got to have another great awakening. Um, I'll tell you what, we... Like Apostle Beasley said, the the situation in America is more serious than people seem to realize. And out of nowhere, out of nowhere, just like Hamas invaded Israel, out of nowhere, you could wake up and America is in chaos. America is in flames. Don, closing words? Yeah, I just just asked the question, you know, after this happened in Israel, I I asked myself, I wonder how many pastors in, in the churches across America actually had the courage to get up in their pulpits and condemn what happened or if they just pass it over as another day in America and on about their stuff doing whatever they're doing. And I think there just comes a time, if there's ever been a time uh, when something happened where it would be, I think it should be easy to choose a side and easy to stand up and say something. This should have been it. And I am absolutely beyond befuddled at where we are. It's even beyond what I could imagine the, the response. Don Beasley is absolutely correct, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to have another great awakening. Worldministries.org, worldministries.org. Join Eagle Saving Nations. Order my book, The Science of Judgment. Help us get this program on national television. We need your very best love offering. May God richly bless you. Shannon? Brother E.J., this was a great uh, set of interviews today. And uh, unlike the, uh, the gentleman's last statement, Brother Beasley, that um, how many in the church will stand up for Israel as all but 13 of the United Nations stood against them in a recent resolution? And, you know, as I was listening to that program, we hear these terms like West Bank. And I looked it up on the, the map. That's referring to the western side of the River Jordan. This area that the uh, so-called Palestinians, which are not a historic people, are claiming as being their land. They have no right to that claim. That's an illegal claim. And every Christian should know that if they've read their Bible. As I was just rereading uh, the book of Joshua this past couple weeks, and it delineates very clearly that that land over the River Jordan belonged to the tribes of Israel. And some of the tribes got their inheritance on the eastern side, I think half of Manasseh did, and uh, you know one or two of the other tribes. But uh, clearly, anybody who calls himself a Christian and stands with God should be standing with the Jewish people in Israel to the right of every square inch that God deeded them in the land. And uh, you know, I uh, came across an interesting uh, ten-minute interview the other day, and I sent it over to Brother Hanson to look at. Uh, it's circulating now. It's an early interview with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, uh, Prime Minister of Israel today, right? But this was from like 1978. He was in his early 20s. I didn't know it, but he had went to MIT and uh, got a degree there. And he's being asked the very questions that are being asked today. What of these Palestinians? Do they have any rights to the land? And uh, he answered it very well and gave some history that I didn't know which was that uh, the uh, 
country known as Jordan today, under King Hussein, they have historically called themselves Palestinians. And he quotes a number of the uh, the uh, Arab leaders as saying Palestinians are Arabs. These people have no uh, inherent right to any of the land that God gave to Israel. And if anything, they already got a land. It's called Jordan, which is the Hashemite kingdom is made up, I think, of 70% Palestinians. So if they want to go somewhere, let them go to Jordan. And his point was, uh, they already have a Palestine. You're to expect that we give them a second state? That's what they're asking for. And then he named all the other, you know, uh, Arab nations and all the land mass that they've got. Massive amounts of land. There's plenty of places to go for the people there that don't want to conduct themselves civilly. And, you know, then he brought out, of course, the fact that um, uh, it's, it's a known fact that the PLO want everything. They don't want a, just a place to live. They want all that God gave Israel. And so I'll in my statement would saying this. Sadly, we got some people today. If we were back in the time of David and Goliath, they would be over there across the valley fighting with the uh, Philistines and Goliath against David and Israel with their actions and not standing up for Israel in this time. You know, Brother E.J. and uh, W.M., I don't know what it is in people other than they've got demonic spirits, same ones that Adolf Hitler had, that hate the Jewish people. Why? That's We should be embracing them. We should be provoking them to jealousy, that they come to the Jewish Messiah, Jesus Christ. We're all going to end up there anyway if we're in Christ. And uh, if you don't love Jewish people now, you're not going to love them when Jesus comes back. And I, I would say you're not going to be there with them when Jesus comes back. You're going to be in another place. So, uh, yeah, it's a very volatile issue right now, but uh, all the more that we need to make it known whose side are we on. Are we with the Lord and the Jewish people and Israel and the right to the land, or are we over there on the side of the Philistines? As for me and my house, we stand with Israel, as I know you do too at WMI. But um, people just don't know the Bible, and they don't know the history. And uh, all these arguments made for you know, pro-Hamas and Palestine, and uh, it's just hogwash. These are illegal requests. If there's anybody occupying some land illegally, it's these Arabs that call themselves Palestinians. So that's my last remark today. As always, you all do a great job at WMI bringing some great interviews. Uh, Brother EJ, how can a person support the ministry of WMI? Okay, they can telephone us here at our office here at 360-629-5248. That's 360 5248. Or they can write to us at World Ministries International, P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. Once again, that's World Ministries International, or WMI, P.O. Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. And we do take MasterCard, Visa Card, American Express, Discover, and PayPal. We also uh, have uh, Zelle now. And the reference for Zell is warning at worldministries.org. That's warning at worldministries.org. And just make your checks out if you're writing them to uh, WMI and uh, at the P.O. Box 277. We just appreciate all they can do. We know we have a battle in front of us. The gospel is free. 
but it costs money to get the gospel, the free gospel out. And so we we need everything we can, especially with the Eagle Saving Nations, is what the church needs to stand up. We need to stand up strong, which you mentioned. It's time for the church to take a stand. Most of us within the church are not willing to take a stand. We need to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. He said he will be behind us and he will be with us and he will fill us with the power of the Holy Spirit. We have nothing to fear because we have God in our side. Amen. That's exactly right. Y'all have a great weekend over there. Thank you for coming on. Brother EJ, you want to close us out in prayer? Yes, once again, Lord, I want to thank you for Shannon Davis allowing us to be on the old Mega Man radio, which does reach around the world, Lord. And we thank you. We pray that the messages went out today, Lord, that the church will start to take a stand and stand strong for the Lord. That's what we're called to do, Lord. And you will give us all the power that we need. We have nothing to fear but fear itself, Lord. And so we give you once again thanks. Bless Shannon and his family and his ministry, Lord. Bless World Ministries and our ministry, Lord, and Eagle Saving Nations, Lord. And we thank you that you have given us the power to stand strong. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. See you all next time.